Flexibility is great. That's why there's yoga. Flexibility for your insurance coverage is great too. That's why there's United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, United Healthcare Insurance Plans offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. One of these plans may be right for you if you're, say, between jobs, coming off your parents' plan, turning a side hustle into a full hustle, or even missed open enrollment. Want more flexibility? Find out more about United Healthcare Insurance Plans at uh1.com. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. I'm a great believer in making it very obvious what your passions are. If you're open about it and you say, hey, yeah, I'm this guy and I present these shows, but I also really love this. Eurovision, that's my thing. I've made that clear. So this year... I got to announce who was Australia's artist for 2017. That is Mark Humphreys, and this is episode 210 of the Osher Ginsberg podcast. Welcome to the show. This is the Osher Ginsberg Podcast. I'm Osher Ginsberg, and this is episode 210 with Mark Humphreys. He's a writer, producer, and a comedian. You can find him on Twitter at Mark Humphreys, H-U-M-P-H-R-I-E-S. More about Mark in just a moment. Thank you so much for all the brilliant pictures you've been sending me this week. Send Osher email at gmail.com is my email address. I do write back to everyone. Um... And people send me pictures uh, of where they listen to the show. Uh, we call it a podsie, P-O-D-S-I-E. I got photos this week from, look, people are listening to the show. They're, they're bird watching, they're dog cuddling, they're house cleaning, they're hiking, they're plane sitting, they're driving, they're pulled over on the side of the roading. Um, Every single person that sent me one this week and everyone that's listening, thank you so, so much. Because of you, I get to make this show. And because of making this show, um, it's I just feel a little better about everything. And it's cool. I like it. I like doing it very, very much. Um, so thank you very, very much for listening. I'm very happy that you're listening. Happy to be with you wherever it is that you are in the world today. Thanks to everyone that checked in last week. Um, I'm doing a lot better this week. Uh, I'm just trying to, you know... You just got to do the things that you know work when the shit goes down. You got to fill your toolbox full of things that you can use to get you out of a jam. Because um, sometimes, you know, thinking your way out of thinking is a little like trying to bite your own teeth. 
so it does help, I find, sometimes, um, uh, to write down the action plan, um, like a poster of what to do in an emergency that you see by the pool up on the Gold Coast, right? You know, in case of panic, do this, tell someone, write it down, go for a walk, <laughs> breathe, <laughs> whatever you've got to do. Um, so I found that to be helpful this week. It's been a good week, though. Uh, we wrapped up working on a, a big project. I'm very grateful to do what I do. I do love working with a team. It's a really wonderful thing to do. Um, it's a bit like when I used to be in an orchestra back in the olden days. Uh, if one thing's out, the whole thing goes out. Uh, but everyone working together is just absolutely glorious, and we're, we all love to do it, which is great. Um, I'm currently enjoying a, a few days uh, with Audrey on an island that is the sound of the South Pacific, wiping up against the rocks below. I'm sitting on a daybed. My wife is enjoying a nap with a Raymond Feist book open on her sleeping chest. Yeah, it's not a bad moment right now. Um, it's been a solid month of work. Not a lot of days off, I think there was two in there somewhere but um it's lovely to have a moment uh with her uh, i just wanted to thank everybody as well that helped put the word out this week about the show um i do ask if you do have the time this week just tell one other person about the show that'll make a world of difference because the more people that listen to the show the better guests i can get on the show the better shows you get to listen to it's a, it's a win-win you get to win it's brilliant um, so if you could tell one person about the show this week, either just in conversation or you text someone or send a tweet or put it on Facebook, whatever you do, massive help, massive, massive help. But in the end, it makes a better show for you. So let me tell you about my guest today, uh, Mark Humphreys, whom you can find on Twitter. He's at Mark Humphreys, M-A-R-K-H-U-M-P-H-R-I-E-S. Mark is a comedian. He's a writer. He's a multilinguist. He's a satirist. He's from Australia, and he's currently bringing the funny every night of the week on the SBS news show, The Feed. Um, he's the blonde guy, the funny one, on November 24, uh, last week, week before. Mark and his writing partner put out an end-of-year special, which uh, they've been working very hard, and he talks about that in this show. And you can find it on SBS On Demand. It's called Privatise Now. It's a half-hour interview special, and um, I've put a link in the show notes if you just want to click on that and, and give it a watch, because they work very hard on it, and it's very, very funny. Mark is a super interesting man. Um, he's a man who's created his own work out of thin air in a way that I do love to hear about on this show. I, I do love hearing stories of people who just go, fuck it, let's just do it, and they do it, and then it gets done, and then they do it for a living. It's brilliant, so I find it really inspiring. I basically get people on every week to do that, to try and get my own ass out of gear. Um, <laughs> or into gear, I should say. So, yeah, Mark's great. If you like him, uh, let him know. You'll find him on Twitter, Mark Humphreys. Um, wherever you are, from us to you, I hope you enjoy the show. Well, thank you for being here, Mark. How are you? Oh, fantastic. I had a, I had a massage today. So I'm feeling very good. I'm feeling very. What good. kind of massage? Did well, you this go is a Thai massage, but the good Thai massage, not the no, no, no. no. But the Thai massage, I find it's it's almost like a routine that is that is done upon well, you. The lady today was very talented and extremely forceful. Mm. Um, and I did that usual thing where she says, "Tell me if it's too strong." Of course, it's too strong. But I, I'm too proud to to say anything. So I was just I just took it. I just took. Where it. did you go for this? 
This was in uh, Crow's Nest. This is my old, old stomping ground. I want to. I want to go to Crow's Nest and get myself a a too strong Thai massage. Well, just about every second uh, shop front in Crow's Nest is now a Thai massage. So yeah, but how many of them? Uh, exactly. That's it. You got to know. That's my my fear. Is, yeah. I, I don't know. For people listening outside of Sydney, there's meh. Yeah. So it's, it's a bit odd. This one. <laughs> So this one's so far so good. Um, I've been, I've been Audrey was telling me that she knew a um, a city planner mm-hmm. and uh, the way to tell uh, from the street. If you can see in, yes, it is a legit place. Right. All right. If they have the big giant window covering okay. of, you know, that. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Not legit. Uh, if the numbers are huge <laughs> and lit, not legit. Well, it's legit, you know. It's it's not. It's more than massages. And if there's lots of nines in the phone number, apparently, this is good advice. Mm-hmm. This needs to be out there. So I'm here to help. No, that's fantastic. Just put that out. This is a little snippet. Yeah, just Osh's uh, life, tips on Osh's how life to hacks. actually get a massage yeah. that doesn't end in a happy ending. That's it. I, I would. Oh, this is my greatest fear is to show up somewhere and expect a massage, and then someone go, "Okay, so yeah, I'll be taking this towel off now." But, but no. yeah. <laughs> That's it. So, um, but no, this is totally professional and, uh, yeah, I feel like a new man. Good. Well, hopefully this coffee won't change your vibe too much. But you asked me before we started rolling, um, uh, do I watch the Batchy show when the Batch is on? <clears throat> um, and I said, yes, I do. Um, I am okay with watching myself on camera now. Mm-hmm. I used to be very, used to be very difficult watching myself on camera. Mm-hmm. Um, for all kinds of body dysmorphic issues, but um, <laughs> mostly because when we did the back and when we did did Idol, we would spend days shooting these, you know, gags or whatever, <laughs> you know, if that would go in the audition episodes. Oh right, okay. And then some kid sings a terrible version of "Falling in and Out of Love" by Alicia <laughs> Keys, and you know, it was like we spent two days shooting that, and it never <laughs> made it to air. Like, why did we even bother? <laughs> so, I yeah, I'm okay with watching it now. Right. Yeah, sure. Do you watch yourself much? Uh, it depends on the on the sketch or the appearance. If there's, if I'm really, if I feel like feel good about it and think that this might be something that I'll not hate myself for, I'll I'll, I'll watch it. <laughs> but sometimes I might watch it. It might take a few weeks to just to. It's actually quite nice, especially with comedy, to watch it with some distance mm. and almost and having forgotten you know the script and and everything mm. that you'd done in it, and then seeing it with fresh eyes and being able to go. Oh, that, that that worked out quite well. Or inversely, oh, that was a terrible idea. That's uh, that's only apparent to me now. Um, so yeah, there's something valuable I think about watching it a little bit later. Did did you grow up in Sydney? Yeah, yeah. So I've lived in Sydney my whole life, except for except for in 2007, I lived in France for a year in in Bordeaux. What was that about? Uh, it was part of my degree. I was at UTS. It was a Double degree, I was doing advertising and international studies, and international studies mainly meant you just go away and <laughs> study a little bit, uh, but mainly just, you know, have a completely different life experience. And so I uh, went and I joined like a theatre troupe in Bordeaux. I worked in a bar. I met my now wife, uh, and uh, it was the best year of my life. It's just yeah, really. I've had that. I'd, everything else is just cream. <laughs> <laughs> so how was your French by the time you got there? Oh, f- perfect. Fluent. Yeah. So I went in with a good level from high school and early uni. And then and I made a sort of deal with myself that I would try to surround myself. Full immersion. 
Exactly. I mean, there were still, you know, other Australians and, and, uh, English people there, but it was really important to me to try and do as much of, of that as possible. So yeah, going to uni and yeah, working, I mean, working in a pub is probably the best way to, mm. to, to, to have that just constantly speaking. Um, yeah. And then, yeah, doing, yeah, doing a play and, I did like short films and yeah, just, just, I just said yes to everything. That was mm. my, that was my year of yes. Yeah. And it was such a relief to be uh, taken out of the kind of clickiness of, of Sydney and to not know anyone and, and, and have the courage to try things that I wasn't, you know, courageous enough to mm. do here. Well, my, uh, so my brother, my younger brother did a similar thing and he uh, went to Germany he studied in, in, in Germany. Can you describe to me, and I've heard him describe it this way, I'd love to know what your thoughts are. What's, what's the day like when you realise, oh, I think I'm fluent? Oh, right. Um, I think it was like, I remember my French teacher telling me in high school that you'll know, you'll know when you start dreaming in French. Mm. And I think that's what happened to me. I, do, I think I woke up one morning and remembered having had some sort of deeper conversation. But um, it, was, it, it was really more just a series of, of moments. Actually, the mm. big moment for me was I remember the first time I got a laugh in mm. French. Uh, and it was because I realized that French, they like play on words. And... I, and I'm now working out whether I set myself up to explain the joke that I told, knowing that it will not play um, in, in English uh, and really not really in French either. But anyway, I knew that they liked to play on words and uh, an, an opportunity presented itself and I did a French play on words and I got a laugh from French people and that was like, okay, I think I get it. Wow. That, so that was a clear moment. Because I, I actually I, I know people who do you know, speak English as a second language, but sometimes just refuse to because, like, not God, when I speak to you in English, I'm not me. Right. I'm not who I am. hundred percent. I tot- I believe that when you go and learn another language, you you sort of create a new persona for yourself. It's part of the reason that my wife and I still speak French to each other. Now, she's Russian, but she was – the language we learnt to, you know, know each other in was, was French. That's our – our language, and I do think that I'm a slightly different person in French than in English. I think I'm a better listener because I have to be. Mm. Um, and so, yeah, I, I think that's fascinating the way. But they, that's my belief that yeah, you create a, an alter ego for yourself in another language. Well, and it's the other thing that you said that you know went over there and you, you tried new things and you did things that you created a new persona for yourself. Um, having moved cities in Australia itself a few times. Um, you do get to do that. Oh, right. Like sure. when you leave Brisbane for Adelaide <laughs> and you're meeting all these people that have never known you before, you can say whatever you like about yourself. Sure, and sure. as long as you back it up with action, they're like, okay, sure, you're that kind of person, fine. Yeah. And, you know, no one's going to know. Well, a friend today, I said, oh, I'm going to do Osh's podcast. And he said, oh, um, ask him about Spidey. Oh, like, <laughs> really? I was like, well, I don't know what that is. He's like, oh, it was a Black Thunder thing because my mate was from, was from Brisbane. I was like, oh, okay, I don't know what that is. But Wow. <laughs> Well, that's a perfect example in that uh, um, uh, 90s FM radio, no one used their own name. Everyone had a nickname. <laughs> Everyone had a nickname. Um, and mine was Spidey, as in Spider-Man, the, my favourite comic book character. Oh, so you got to choose your own. At the time. Well, I was also playing in a funk metal band, which was the fashion at the time. We're talking 1995 here, 1994. Okay. All right. So I had very long shorts. They weren't quite trousers. <laughs> But, you know, my socks were inviting him down for a party or the shorts were inviting the socks up for a drink, one of the two. And I had a braid in my hair down the right-hand side, I had very long hair down in my belt line. Oh, my gosh. Uh, well, the 7-4 contrapuntal funk 
sounds and better when you've got a braid in your hair. And I had a um, don't need to tell me. Yeah. I had a, a a spider woven into it, a glow in the dark spider oh, uh, that I got from some I don't know what it was a toy glow in the dark spider that I had woven into my hair. How, how long was it there for? Oh God, two years. Gosh, year and a half. Do you still have it? Long time for, no, somewhere. I don't know. I've got a, I've got a, one of my old ponytails in a drawer somewhere. <laughs> or did I throw it out? I don't know. But yeah, so I became Spidey that day. That yep. was my, uh, that was my nickname. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, I never really got known by my own name ever. I was, <laughs> you know, I never got to be my own name. Uh, well, that's a good, that's a good answer. I'll, yeah, I think my friend but, will be happy. You know, with it was one of those jobs, and I'm sure you've done it. I was getting paid eight dollars an hour before mm. tax. To drive around in a station branded truck, giving away icy cold cans of coke. <laughs> that is exactly what he said. He said icy cold. Can- that is the verbatim what he said to yeah. me this morning. That seems to be the the, uh, the tagline. But um, yeah, and no, I my, my lowest well the lowest paid job was yeah I used to work in a chicken shop, um, uh, raw chicken, so not 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 roast and that was five five dollars eighty two an hour yeah was, was that, that was that and i spent most of that just getting just getting there and back just catching yeah. the bus yeah <laughs> i did that with my my first my first like job that wasn't working for my dad was um Maccas at Indrapani uh, Maccas and the bus was $2.40 there and $2.40 back and I was earning $2.20 an hour and I had a two-hour shift. I was like, this is stupid. Oh my I'm God. going. <laughs> so I quit. So, so were you there during the Choose the Cheesy Cheese, Triple Cheese Lover? Do you remember this? No. Do you know, do you know what this is? No, this is 89, 90. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. All right. I think it, was, it wasn't too long after that that I remember a promotion which was – it sounded awful and my memory yeah. of it was that – if you went to the counter and you said this elaborate phrase, which I believe was choose the triple cheese that triple cheese lovers choose when they choose the cheese, cheese, cheese at McDonald's. I think that was more or less the phrase. If you said that to the server, you'd get a small orange juice, I think. Here's your free orange juice. <laughs> and I just reckon every one of them must have just said, as soon as the person said, choose the, just take it. Just, <laughs> just take it. I, I can't, I can't do this. <laughs> Things that sound great around a boardroom table in oh, Sydney. Oh, my God. Peep, they would have taken themselves out to lunch after that one. Oh, 100%. Meanwhile, you know, there's some kid in a drive-thru in Transville going, yes, okay, oh, I get it. That's Here's it. a cheeseburger. So, um, yeah, I would put it to you that, you know, when you do move around Australia, you do get to, you know, as you, you know, you get to reinvent yourself a little. Nice. Because I often used to, my uh, former colleague, James Matheson, who's a friend of mine still, um, I used to envy that everyone he ever knew still lived within uh, an hour's drive of him. Oh, okay. You know, because he grew up here in Sydney. Yeah, sure. And I, I wondered what that would be like, mm. you know, to, to have that as your base to leap off into this world of unpredictable media, you know, speculation. Well, yeah. Well, a friend of mine just joined Tinder and he talks about how strange it is just as you're swiping and just how quickly you're like, oh, there's there's that girl that we work with. Oh, there's there's my, uh, there's my sister. Like, just like, oh, God. <laughs> So it's your whole life just flashes before your eyes, literally. So you swipe right on both of them. I is that is that? I, yeah, <laughs> I don't I don't know how it works, but yeah. Frank, Frank, you're really buying the story here, mate. <laughs> Can you call it for me, please? Just just relax, pal. You've gone outside. You've had a wee and a poo. Everything's cool. All right. You did. Where's Bunny? Where's Bunny? Go get me Bunny, and we can play with Bunny again. Good boy. Come on, bring me Bunny. There you go. Good boy. Good boy. So 
so I'll just do this while we no, talk. No, that's fine. So I'm just just for people listening. I'm I'm now uh, I'm sitting at the table. And Mark's opposite me, drinking a fantastic cup of coffee, mm. and <laughs> and um our cavoodle is uh, at my left hand side, just eating his toy that I'm holding because he doesn't want to just play with it; has no. to be held by me. Uh, <laughs> so, what kind of kid were you in high school? I guess you'd say I don't want to. I don't like the word nerd, but the uh, I was academic. I would say I was academic. Oh, yeah. I wasn't a nerd in the sense of like I didn't have I didn't think I have like nerdy pursuits or hobbies, but I was really focused on uh, study and I did Latin and wow. uh, uh, French and ultimately I did uh, drama as well. And school was good. I can't really. Where did, really so where did the where did the idea that you know what you could you know when did it first come upon you that, wow, I seem to be funnier than other people? Uh, It's more just over time just people saying, people reacting to you in a certain way and and saying, just asking, oh, have you ever thought about doing something or you should do so-and-so? And and it was just over time just hearing enough of those phrases to think, maybe it's worth giving it a shot Mm -hmm. Um, because I've always enjoyed Amusing people, even if it's only myself, <laughs> and uh, so uh, it, ultimately it was reached a point of like, and especially the France thing of just like, well, I've just done a year of experimenting and just doing what I want to do. Maybe I can take a bit, little bit of that home, and so then I sort of began my path to where I am. And where did that now. start? A friend of mine was uh, at, at uni. She was doing a media arts production course and she needed to do a final year project and she wanted to do a sitcom pilot. She had this idea for one set in a community college and she said, Mark, would you write this? And I'd never written anything before. It was like, uh, yeah. And uh, so we made this pilot called Adult Learners and then we started shopping it around. And at that time, uh, another show came up called Community and that was the end of that. <laughs> so, um, yeah, but that was the first time that it was like... It was, it was someone, it's always been someone else having faith in me. I've never had any kind of drive myself. Mm. It's always been someone nudging me or pushing me into, into, into doing things. I love that you didn't know how to write a TV sitcom pilot, but you just went ahead and said yes anyway. Yeah, just because it just sounded like a fun thing to do. And it was a fun process and we had fun making it. And, yeah, but it was a completely different take, Osha. You've got to understand. Oh, you know, ours, understand. Was, ours was a lot more you know, grounded uh-huh. you know, in reality, whereas theirs was a lot more sort of fantastic. A bit more Joel, Joel McHale and more Chevy Chase. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. That's right. We couldn't get Chevy. So. Or Joel. No. 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 I don't no. think anybody wants him anymore. He's a bit cranky these days. He is cranky. He makes me a bit sad, really. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's strange because I watched the Saturday Night Live 40th anniversary show a couple of years ago and they, you know, they sort of they really put him on this pedestal and, you know, he comes out and he's still a bit of a just a kind of a curmudgeon. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. But he was, he was only with SNL for like one and a half years. But it's like because he was the first guy at yeah. the Weekend Update desk, it's like, you know, yeah. he he established it. And therefore- there was also a very different time in television. There was only three channels. It was pre-cable. True. And so everybody watched this one particular show. That's why I hate working today is that I'd be so big, Osha, if, I, if there were only three channels. Mm. My problem is apart from quality issues, is, uh, you know, there's just too much choice. And yeah. why would you choose me when there's so much of the choice? But, yeah, if there, were, if there were only three channels today, oh, I'd be carving it up. <laughs> where sure. did you start 
Where did you start with the idea of political satire? Well, I, I ended up on a show called The Roast, which at the time in 2012 was it was just a two-minute show and it was a uh, topical comedy show. How did they show. find you? How did you find them? You said your career is only in people uh, vouching for you. That's basically it, exactly. I mean, that's, that's the awful thing. As much as I'd like to say that cream rises to the top and everything, it, it, there is still so much that is dependent on who you know and I happen to know a very funny actor named Clark Richards who this year has appeared in, he's been in Upper Middle Bogan, he was in Hamish and Andy's True Story, he was in an episode of Utopia, he was in Please Like Me. Anyway, so he knew Charles Firth who had, was, had created The Chaser and was the producer of this thing, this new thing called The Roast. And so Char- uh, Clark basically vouched for me. And Clark, actually, I only met Clark through Ursula who was the one who asked me to write Adult Learners. So, right. so that was the connection there. When she met Clark, she said, I just, I just met your best friend. Uh. And she was absolutely right, we talk every day. We usually talk about just articles that we've read on TV tonight and just you know, <laughs> being, being, and just laughing at press releases really is basically a sense of humor. But, um, yeah, so he bounced for me and I went and I yeah. did this thing and I was basically an intern for a while. I was still working in, uh, PR at the time, uh, and to keep myself afloat. But I, yeah, I was basically an intern on the roast and just stayed until I was able to prove that I was providing some value. And the show at that time, was just news comedy broadly and over time it became apparent to me that politics is really what a news comedy show should be. It's pretty obvious to outside, yeah. but for me and us, it was a learning experience of like politics is actually where the most interesting stuff is. Everything else is, is sort of fluff and, you, you know, you can afford a bit of fluff uh, over maybe a half-hour show. If you've only got two minutes, do you really want to waste it on... I can't even think of a story, but, you know, something involving a pop star or something. Mm. But that was just building that up. Just It was just by necessity that just reading politics every single day that you eventually start to remember things, notice trends, and then, yeah, just building building up from there. So just having to do it every day, it's that kind of, what's the phrase, about like 10,000 flying hours? Or yeah. Whatever. Yeah, it was basically. So just writing every day. Just writing every day. Yeah. And yeah. And pitching jokes that would get told no. Exactly. All of that. All all valuable experience. And so What was your hit ratio? <laughs> well, that's the, yeah, I mean probably pretty low early on. I mean, I remember my first kind of killer joke. Like that's that was a, a moment and it was actually also the first joke on the show that received a, a formal complaint that it went all the way to ACMA, the um communications and media authority it was uh it was a story about um i think a magazine had snapped photo or a paparazzo had, had taken pictures of um kate middleton uh, topless photos of kate middleton I, mean, I think recently they finally got a payout on that so the anyway the the joke was uh, italian magazine key has uh published topless photos of kate middleton with the headline the queen is naked uh, hang on, the queen is naked. Finally, I can stop jerking off to this coin. <laughs> um, and so that was when I made it in show business. So that, was, so that was the joke that went to air. And that went to where just before Doctor Who was on, and some lady was watching with her son who. Apparently, you know, I think it was like her fourteen-year-old son who apparently didn't understand what was going on, didn't understand what the joke, what what, what is this language? And uh-huh. anyway, I get. He's got a five-dollar note in his hand. <laughs> <laughs> 
he's doing that thing with the whale penis and the and the queen's face. But anyway, um, yeah. So that that was that went all the way to the top, yeah. and then there was a four page uh, verdict on wow. that, which was in our, our favor, fortunately. But I've got this document where someone had to go and you know analyze the line, you know, word by word. Yeah. And, and you know how this is doesn't breach whatever what kind of so what kind of support do you get when a moment like that happens like does charles first come down from on high and, well, and say, we've got your back son we've done way worse charles loves charles loves things going wrong so he's never i don't think he's phased by much at all we actually um just a couple of months ago so the chaser guys had a show on actually they're going to do another one on triple m but they had one at lunch times called radio chaser and then i and i filled in on it for about five weeks while chris taylor was uh, doing a play and one of the days one of the more every morning we had to go and record sketches for that day's show and uh we had to find a studio, and this usual studio we would record in to record sketches was was busy. It was, I think, Ugly Phil was doing something in there, um, and we. So Charles just goes, "Oh, this studio is free," and we go in, and there's music playing, and Charles goes, oh, "I'll just turn that down," <laughs> pulls it down. I look out the window and I see an entire office of Triple M employees stand up in unison, and people start running towards the door. He's taken Triple M off air. It ultimately turned out it was 18 seconds of silence that wow. Charles had, had broadcast. Um, so that, that's probably the only time that Charles was genuinely scared. <laughs> that, that moment, <laughs> he, it looked like, you know, pure fear. But anything, any other scandal, I think he sort of laps it up and thinks it's sort of part of the course. Oh, that's, that's good because, you, you know, I don't know about you, but when moments like that happen for me at work, my brain, I convince myself that that's it, I'm fired. Totally, yeah. I How mean, do I, you go? Yeah, I mean, it's sort of, it's, I think it's just a kind of healthy, I think it's a healthy wake-up call from time to time. Yeah. Just there, because we've had a couple of complaints, complaints on things that uh, I was not expecting at all. And when I saw the complaint, I was like, oh, that's interesting that someone would take issue with that. Um it's a boring example, so I won't go into it. But just, uh, yeah, I think it's kind of actually helpful. But at the time, yeah, a little bit nerve-wracking. Now, SBS seems to kind of, they've got their own sort of processes. Mm. If they're really anxious about it, they think they'd ask me to explain myself of what I was going for in a certain joke. But I've been doing this enough now, and my, also my writing partner, um, Evan Williams, we've been, do, we've been working together for five years. We, ABC Legal was always pretty tight so we just from experience know what areas generally to avoid so it mm. doesn't happen very often and if it does it's usually something that we just would not you just wouldn't have expected do you get worried sometimes when you hit send when you hit go when you <laughs> when you lock the edit do you yeah get scared? i get scared, well, scared I get, I, it's more about just just bracing yourself for social media backlash mm. on especially because you know a lot of the stuff that i do politically it has a point of view to it and that point of view is often not particularly generous to say the one nation party and so there's a little bit of a moment of just going right if we do this you're signing yourself up for people finding your facebook and twitter profile and just ripping into you for a night or so and so that that's the little that's that's probably where what i brace for the other night did a kind of send up of milo yiannopoulos and just like knowing that his fan base can be quite 
vocal mm. um and just going am i okay with with that and uh yeah so that that that's probably more of it now that's what i'm bracing myself but, for and i think that that's that's the interesting thing when it does come to people with legitimate grievance online mm-hmm. okay you said something that i disagree with that's fine mm-hmm. versus someone who puts keywords into a twitter search engine sets up spam uh abuse responses and then so anytime anyone writes you know milo Right. They suddenly, right, right, right. you know, even though you, I'm sure you got, well, this is about the Nes, his brother Nestle. Yeah, uh, brother uh, Nesquik. Brother yeah. Nesquik. Yeah. Um, those are two milk products most <laughs> often consumed after school <laughs> but before dinner. So I'm assuming that a lot of the shit that you got was from some fucker in Philadelphia. Yeah. So fortunately it wasn't, it wasn't too much, but yeah. But, but, but he does have a big support group and he has a lot of supporters in Australia. I think someone said that he's, this is the country that, that he's second most, you know, popular in. Um, and hence we're going to see some sort of tour and these coming to town in December and, you know, doing stuff with Mark Latham and, and what have you. So there is. It, that's out there, and it's probably not as small as some of us might think. So, but I got to say, the, re- the reaction was it wasn't it wasn't too bad. It was it was I think people generally they kind of had their rant on the the feed page, mm. Facebook page, but not that many came to me. And do people accuse you of being just some sort of mega lefty? Sometimes, but um, I, I, I my general feeling is just that I'm kind of. I like to think that I'm just sort of just generally biased against everyone, but uh, and but I think the reality in the country at the moment is there's just more there are just more wackos on one side of politics than there are the other. Also, I think it's sort of pointless to focus too much time on those who aren't in power. The government, you know, I think the government is always going to be the main target of the day. And if Labor were in power, then we'd have all sorts of things to go after them for. But generally speaking, I think the the government should be the the main target of critique. And then on the side of that, anyone else who's just kind of a bit out there. Uh, And, yes, that largely seems to be people within one nation. I mean, this is my point of view, obviously. You know, Mm. if you're you're a supporter of that, of course, you think that I'm completely barking mad and and that I'm the, the, you know, the old one. But, um, yeah, so that's sort of, yeah, occasionally people accuse me of being a a lefty, but I don't, I I really just take it on a case-by-case basis of just each day's news, what's Mm. happening, how do we feel about this particular issue or story, Um, yeah, I'm totally open to bagging the Greens and Labor. I uh, just need them to say things as interesting as Cory Bernardi <laughs> thinks, you know. How do you feel watching, you know, politics every single day? I, some days I just have to not look. Yeah. Oh, I'm with you. I'm depressed and I, and I, 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 I keep thinking and trying to do more and more sketches that are not so tied to politics. I'm trying not to get too... Because I'm starting to feel quite pessimistic about everything. And I'm, I'm, a big question that I, I'd like an answer to is, what do we have to look forward to now? Because I just feel like whether it's climate change or nuclear war or, you know, artificial intelligence, it, it all seems pretty bleak. And then throw in social media and you're just spiraling, you know. Yeah, I try and, I'm trying to kind of 
hit my hand in with the politics stuff, but also be open to looking at other things as well. Because yeah, no, I just find it really, I just find it really depressing. Um, and I think, I mean, Tony Abbott's a big issue. I think for me, I really wish Abbott would leave. And that's not even about that. Again, that's not a lefty kind of thing. That's just like you're just you're just bad for politics. You're bad for this government. Um, you're bad for the country. You know, it was. It's amazing he was prime minister. He had his time. You, you just got to walk away. But, can't do it. <laughs> can't do it. Loves it too much. Yeah. Uh, I mean, you, I mean, I'm sure you have spoken to James about this. God knows, James tried to get him out. Oh, he did. James Matheson, we're talking about. Uh, he and I used to do Idol together, and James went up against Tony Abbott in his seat of Warringah. Times up, Tony. <laughs> If not now, comma, when, question mark. But Jimmy, I think, got like 11,500 votes or something. Mm, yeah. Which says a lot. Totally. For that, you know, former stronghold of white middle class uh, <laughs> yeah. straight people. I just, I just, I mean, I know what, I was about to say I don't know. I just, I was about to say I don't understand how Abbott became prime minister. I do. I, I, but my memory of Abbott when I was a teenager, was that he was the he was like the clown of the Howard government. He was like the naughty boy. I always that was my impression of him that he was just he was just sort of running around. He was like a just a, he just wasn't the kind of serious contender. Yeah. And then the whole you know the Godwin Gretsch thing happened, which then ruined Turnbull. And then you know it was either Abbott or Hockey, and then it was only one vote in it, and then. It, became Abbott and then Labor sort of destroyed itself and, and then we got stuck with this. It was just, you know, it was sort of a perfect mm. storm f- for that to happen. And, um, yeah, and so I was immensely relieved when Turnbull came in and as much as, like, the rest of the country, you know, feeling disappointed in Turnbull and that he hasn't been the great hope that many of us thought he would be, I still every day thank God that Abbott is not Prime Minister. <laughs> So what do you do? You say you want to write things that are a little less pessimistic. What do you do every day? You've got a little kid, 10 months old. What do you do when you, you know, look at the kid's eyes and go, hey, guess what world I'm leaving you? Well, like, how do you keep your chin up? Uh, I, I take comfort from the fact that he probably, he and I probably won't live to, uh, too long to, to see the destruction. I feel like the world will end quite soon. So I take comfort. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I take comfort from the fact that I had a kid. Uh, that I've uh, had a career in a, in a field that I wanted to work in. Um, if it ends now, I'm, I'm, I've, that's, I've sort of come to terms with it. So I don't really see the future. I don't really believe we, there's, I'm, so, uh, I'm being pessimistic, but there are, I, I'm not really seeing how the future is going to play out. So I'm just operating on the assumption that take each day as it comes. And if there's another one tomorrow, then, then great. But he is, my son is such a bundle of joy and so smiley and, and giggly. And so he, uh, is, has been great for keeping me sane and also keeping me like social media is something which has just kind of corrupted me and so many other people in the last few years. And it's so great to have a physical, real, you know, breathing, living thing that needs your When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a -a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? 
Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. For attention, uh, it's so great to have that to drag you away from all that other, mm. you know, cyberspace. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So when, when you look at the 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 news every day when you look at the news cycle mm-hmm. what would you what would you do differently like how how would you how would you see you see how things run how would you maybe make a little differently so it's not so doom <laughs> focused do you mean if i were running like the newsroom do you mean no 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 if you were if you were you know if, if, what what changes would you like to see to make things look a little less doomy um all right trump's got to go that's just that's just the yeah. first thing that's just I, I can't stand reading stories about how, oh, you know, Senate Republicans behind closed doors are expressing concern. Not good enough. Not good enough. Right. We're all, all of us are out here. I mean, sorry, there's no point going down the Trump path. But anyway, that's the first thing that needs, yeah. that needs to be resolved. Because as long as that's happening, climate change, nuclear war, those are all going to be, I mean, look, nuclear war, that's, that's going to be an issue regardless because Kim Jong-un, you know, is doing his own thing. That's going to be a problem for whoever's in charge. But anyway, so that's yeah, if we can get Trump sorted, just mm. sideline him. Uh and then domestically if we can get Abbott to just maybe be an ambassador somewhere. <laughs> um and just so that we just so I'd love to see what Turnbull could do if he was actually given a chance to you know, it's the whole West Wing thing of let Bartlett be Bartlett. No, just just let Turnbull, you know, Get, let, let him get back to the things that I think that he still believes in yeah. but has had to compromise because of the party he's with. So, yeah, so I basically just need people to just leave. That's basically, <laughs> that's the gist of it. It's only a couple of people. It's a small yeah. group of people. Uh, yeah, that's, that's not much of a solution. No, 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 but then, look. <laughs> so I think James, actually, James Madison yeah. was, you know, had the right idea. Step up, provide an alternative. Yeah, yeah. but there, there are so many things to live for. And I've had to, you know, I've as someone who has struggled quite seriously with with the doom uh, mm. scenario, um, you have to you have to look mm. and you have to see. It's like, yes, sure, this horrible thing is happening, but it'll become so horrible to a point that a solution will present itself as the only option. And look what incredible things could come out of that solution. That's good. All right, that's good. Unfortunately, we have to sit to the point where everyone realizes how horrible it is before the change happens. Mm. And so is, is, and and I guess the other thing is to the other thing that I've had to this is something that James talks about. You've got to be okay with things not getting better while you're alive. Wow. You've got to be okay yeah. with this isn't going to get solved on my timeline. This is not going to like for example we were in Fiji um on holidays and this massive cyclone cyclone Winston came through and just fucking splattered a lot of the country, a second most powerful storm ever recorded on the planet and just scraped coral reefs clean. Thousands and thousands of years of growth gone, gone, mm-hmm. gone, gone. So here we are two years later and like the size of this, I've got a lime in my hand, the size of this little lime, like there's just nothing but kind of grey dead rock 
and then you see this tiny little plotch of colour mm. like there and you look at it and go, all right, who am I so fucking arrogant to think this reef will grow back so I can see it? Yes, right. This reef will grow back so it can happen on my timeline. That was your, that was your Wally moment. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah, it's like, yeah. no, 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 it will come back. Mm. It'll just be... You know, 120 years from now yes. is when it when it's back. Yes. I would try and put that to try and reframe it mm-hmm. for you. Yeah, whatever's happening in the States is is fucking full on, and especially when someone with impunity can go and slaughter 60 people in the street in Las Vegas and zero gets done about it. Yes. Which is a big part of why I left. I was in America for 10 years. Right. And a big part of why I left is that another uh, mostly, mo- another mostly black or Hispanic man was being killed unarmed by the police every week, and no one gave a shit. Mm. And just mass shooting would happen every month, and nothing would change. I'm like, I, I can't do it. I yeah, can't be here. but it, these things have to happen, and they have to get to a point where the majority, mm. the, the the masses. Go okay. We're not okay with this. Yeah, and then the then the change will happen. Yeah, I I I was I was on a flight to Las Vegas a couple of years ago, and I was seated next to a woman from Montana, and we somehow got onto the topic of of guns, and she was a gun owner and believed in all of that, and and it was fascinating having that conversation with her and talking about the Australian situation, and in that conversation. Because uh, I explained, well, we had this gun buyback scheme and so on and so forth, and but she asked me this question, which was, "But do you feel free?" And I'd never, in, in that moment, I realised, oh, gun ownership is so tied up with the concept of freedom that as long as those two <laughs> things are linked, I just feel there will be no progress. Somehow, mm. over you know extended period of time, those two topics have become intertwined. And because because of me, it's like I, I have the freedom to not be shot, mm. you know. Yeah, um, that's a pretty good thing. Yeah, uh, but when I heard that, I went, "Oh, it's over for this country. Oh, this country will not be able to f- fix that issue." Uh, so I've uh, yeah, I've given up on America in in the gun control area. I feel, you know, it's stats and facts and everything. I, yeah, yeah, I don't believe there is a tipping point. For America, no, I think it was fairly evident. It's been said a few times in the last few weeks. It's like once nothing happened after Sandy, Sandy Hook, Hook, yeah. Once it became okay to walk into a, a, a first grade classroom yeah. and and execute twenty three, twenty five children, and nothing changed, yeah, boom, yeah, it's all over. That's over. There was this fantastic photo, and I, I know we talked about him a little bit before. There was a fantastic photo that came out this week of John Howard addressing a pro gun rally, and it's this brilliant footage. I talk about it on the show quite a bit. Um, for every horrible thing, as far as I'm concerned, that Howard did, mm. that he do, did that and stood up in front of thousands of really angry Liberal National Party kind of gun-toting, you know, the core of his base, the yes. absolute hardcore of his base, he stood there and said, we have to do this and we have to do it now. It needs to happen. Mm. And it was a photo that I'd, I'd never seen was taken from behind him where you can clearly see he's wearing a bulletproof vest. Yeah. <laughs> it's interesting. There is – I think there's a – you might be able to find video footage of it. It probably comes up in Howard's book, but just that that was – there was a lot of discussion with Howard about that, like do I wear this vest? And Howard was strongly – I think Howard was strongly opposed to wearing it, just didn't like the optics of it um because obviously it's almost mm. like saying i don't trust you not to shoot me yeah. uh and it was one of howard's um security team i think or one of his advisors who said uh if you do- if i don't make you wear it i don't know how i would explain it to Jeanette if something happened and when he said that it's like i got it 
So that's why Howard wow. wore it because it was that thing. I don't want to have to tell your wife that I yeah. said, oh, it's okay. He doesn't need to wear a vest. But, you know, you say what you say about 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 America and you say what we say about Abbott and Turnbull and whatever, that we, that we went from Port Arthur to no guns on the streets mm. within, I think, 20 weeks. Yeah. Says sure. incredible things yeah. about what can happen in this country. Yeah. Bear in mind it was 20 years ago now. Mm. I don't know if you could do that now considering mm. what the news cycle now is shortened to seconds if not minutes. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I don't know. Mm. You mentioned Milo Yiannopoulos mm-hmm. coming to Australia to do some stuff with Latham. <laughs> I, we had Mark Latham on our radio show. Oh, all right. Okay. <laughs> and in studio, did he? No, he was on the phone, on the phone. thankfully. <laughs> um, but I kind of compared him to a, an angry squid <laughs> in that when the squid's very interesting to look at. And the squid moves in a really interesting way, right? But if, if the squid's upset, the squid will squirt this horrible thing in your face and you go, Whoa! and mm. you're trying to figure what out is going wrong and then the squid either attacks you or leaves. The, the way that he dealt with my – he's going, on a free speech, say what you want, stop being a snowflake. He was just going bang, 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 bang. Mm. And I said, so, you know, what if people say to you – I wasn't saying what if I say to you. So, so what if people say to you – well, you're nothing but a white, male, middle-class, privileged man who has no idea what it's like to live in brown skin. Is that okay, you know, as far as you're concerned in a problem Australia? Oh, I'm not going to take lectures from someone who resides at the Bachelor Mansion. Like, boom, straight yeah. up. Like, and, and I just wondered, like, what do you think this guy – he was a former leader of the, the opposition party in this country. Mm. Is he just, like, following the, the Trump way of getting attention or is he actually going somewhere? Um. Uh, I'm not quite sure what the Latham story is. Uh, is he okay, do you think? I, I mean, I, that's one of the things that I, I mean, I wouldn't feel comfortable speculating on, yeah, where, he, where he's at. Um, but I, I, he just strikes me as someone who clearly, I feel like some people just, they, make, they just flip over at a certain point. And they just go, I'm tired of this. I'm just tired of being told I can't say this. And it can be, it might just be a small thing. And mm. I think people just, they just, it's like they flick a switch. And he just, and it's just from now on, I don't care anymore. And I'm just going to be this mm. persona because I, I've tried to be, I tried to play, play the game. I tried to be polite. I couldn't do it. And so I just, I just need to be this now. Yeah. Um, and I don't think he knows what else. To do, I yeah. don't know where else. Where do you, I don't know how you kind of retreat from that now. I think he's just come to a decision that he's going to be that way. He was pushing very hard this idea of it's free speech. You know, I say what I want, but you choose to get offended. Mm-hmm. Um, you can choose not to be offended. Do you think there is a, a way that you can have free speech, but also just not have a nation of people walking around being assholes to each other? <laughs> Yeah, I'd like to think so. I'd like to think that there's a. Um, it's 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 funny with him how just um, uh, needlessly disrespectful and hateful he he chooses to be. Just there are things that we come across every day that bother us, and there's ways that we can deal with it. But he kind of is so um, abusive in the way that he tackles things that he doesn't like, and I think that doesn't do him. Any favours. So. But it, it, I guess what I'm asking is it's mm. not just him. It's like he does represent a, a way of approaching 
political discourse that a lot of people online also use, just this bile first, mm-hmm. just how offensive can I be to mm. put you on your back foot so you say something that then justifies my position. Australia's always kind of losing America's shadow a little bit, but do you think we're heading to an Australia with, if you say someone like uh, Latham and Milo, I've got more of a following here in Australia than many people would want, are we heading to a place where this whole idea of, no, oh, say what you want, it's your choice to be offended. Or I'm like, can can free speech exist in our country with also just not being a like a right fuckwit to someone? No, I think the no, I think we're going to have. I, I feel it's getting increasingly tribal. Um, uh, I don't know how to kind of bring uh, respectful discourse back. I feel like uh, an increasingly. I mean, the social media is also a separate. I'm trying to. I'm still trying to make sense of how social media reacts, interacts with the real world. But just if I look at social media, I know that you know we've got our bubbles mm. that we're operating within, and I don't know how. I think it's getting those bubbles are getting further and further apart. So, I guess my pessimistic answer is no. I don't really think <laughs> that we're capable of doing that. I think that that bubble is going to fester and. Maybe eventually flame out. I don't know. But um, for the moment, I feel like, yeah, there's two sides and they don't overlap. Didn't the idea of debate and discourse, I don't know any of the history of it, but I can only imagine that the idea of being respectful to someone and uh, finding ways to be non-offensive and, in fact, diplomatic when speaking to someone came because the only other way was violence. <laughs> Yes. So and think, so, this way of speaking is a way of like moving away from violence towards each other. Yes. Uh, well, that's the optimistic. Yes. Let's go with that. I think that's that's what I should hope for. That eventually, yes, things will be so polarized that some sort of middle person will come along and just go, okay, this is clearly not working. Mm. Um, yeah, because I'm I am a believer that the best way to educate someone is by showing them the way and trying to be as sort of helpful as possible i do think that and i and so i this is going to sound like i'm i i can sometimes understand how people in on the sort of extreme right get that way is that they sort of they might feel that they're not that not they're not being i'm, I'm misphrasing this because i'm 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 not sounding i'm sounding i'm sounding sympathetic to them i think that we do need to find ways to bring those people back that isn't just about labeling them mm-hmm. even if they are deplorable or what have you, I think there needs to be new ways of communication to bring them back because I think people are just getting further and further into their corners Mm. and sticking with the people, the like-minded people, because it's just more comfortable. And I think that on both sides, we're kind of pushing each other away Mm. by labeling each other so negatively. Yeah. And I can only imagine that, or I certainly hope it's not too long, that we somehow find a way back to actual political discourse. Uh, you know, if you mm. go back and look at, we didn't really do televised debates too much in our country um, over the last 50 or so years, we've done them more recently, but if you go back and look at some of the earlier, like say from even the 70s or 80s, mm-hmm. political debates, like mm. even between Reagan and... Oh, Hood, absolutely. They're actually respectful to each other. Extraordinary, And yes. they, they like assume that their opponent is of equal mm. intellectual capacity and as equally committed to saving people's lives as yes. they are. Yes. Whereas we're now we're in this place of just complete disrespect to each other's faces. Well, uh, there's a fantastic documentary I've been watching on, on Netflix, which is called, uh, I think it's called The Race to the White House. Mm-hmm. And it's narrated by Kevin Spacey. And I think it's maybe six episodes, and each one is about a different presidential campaign. One episode is is Nixon v. Kennedy. 
and it shows some of the debate footage and this moment of Nixon sort of saying, um, yes, I, I agree with uh, everything that um, Senator Kennedy just said. Uh, I would also add blah, 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 blah. But it was, it was that sort of stuff. It was incredibly respectful. It was also interesting seeing some of the scandals mm. over time which ended political campaigns, which today yeah. would have been nothing. Yeah. Just, yeah, like Joe Biden uh, ran for president, I think, in 88 and uh, was found to have plagiarised a speech uh, of a British politician and that was the end of his campaign. Today, with Trump, who cares? Yeah. Like, he could have been, he could have been president. Yeah, so, yeah. Um, yeah. What will it take? What will it take to bring back discourse? Maybe, well, worst case scenario, probably, probably something really bad. Hang on. Frankie, <laughs> hey, we're trying to talk here. Where's the bunny? Bring me bunny. Bring me bunny. Good boy. Yeah. Good boy. What does it take to bring back respectful discourse? Excuse me for a moment. Will you shut up? <laughs> <laughs> hey, you know what I've done? I have I've engaged my opponent. Right. All right. And now I'm meeting my opponent on common ground. Right. I'm holding a bunny. This is true. Uh, this is... I'm holding a bunny and the dog is playing with the bunny. You have found, yeah. We've... So what you're saying. What will it take to bring discourse What is Mark back? Latham's bunny? I don't ah, know. What's what... Mark Latham's yeah. bunny? That's, that's uh, gosh, I don't know. I, I, I think things have to get worse before they get better. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well, that sucks. I'm sorry, man. No, no, but no, it's okay. The good thing is it's a lovely day. Uh <laughs> There you go. Get present. My shrink would say get present. You right. Know, describe it. You know That's the strange thing is that I'm, I'm really mainly just conscious of this stuff when I'm uh, engaging with any form of, of media. The, of course, when you're walking the streets, everything's quite, yeah, at least here, uh, is quite uh, peaceful and calm. It's only once you – it's that, again, ignorance is bliss. So – uh, that's the lesson to everyone. Uh, switch off. <laughs> Pay no attention. But it's, but it's important. You know, we live most of our lives not knowing how terrible, uh, you know, the rest of the world was, except for, a, you know, a, a news report on a, um, on, on, a, on, a, on a Sunday when you watch the extended world news bit. You know, that, that was it. Mm. That was that, yeah, otherwise, you'd never know how, yes. how shitty the world was. But now I can turn on my Twitter feed if I want and just see how absolutely horrible 20 different places in the world are yeah. today and how it's just worse than it was yesterday. Mm. I mean, why would you do that? Mm. Um, yeah. What is your relationship with social media? Terrible, terrible, terrible. Um, I have an addictive – I'm, I'm an addict. I, I, you know, I consider myself alcoholic. I have to be very careful um, when I'm around other things that fire the dopamine receptors in my brain. Um, and my phone is a dangerous thing mm -hmm. quite a bit. Um uh, my wife's very aware of it and uh, she does try and warn me and, you know, you really don't get out of that damn yeah. thing. Um, I could be quite negatively affected by stuff and be having a great day oh. and then open my phone up and here in the, you know, safety of my home, in my kitchen, I will read something that someone horrible has written to me. I generally don't give a shit. Um, or I'll read something about a part of the world that I care about uh -huh. and it's awful yes. and it will ruin my day. It's. I, I find that really strange. That um, and that's what. That's exactly what happens to me. Like it can sometimes happen with. I can. I can have ninety nine percent positive feedback on something, and it can be that one. I don't know how that. I don't know how the brain works. That it fo can focus on the one negative, and somehow make that equal mm. to the, you know, significantly larger positive yeah. stuff out there and it can absolutely destroy me i remember, I, I, remember I, had, I had to leave an event once because i received a you know a message 
uh, on my Facebook page and just like, it was just like, I just can't be here because I can't think about yeah. anything but that person's negativity. Yeah, you've got to not check it sometimes, I think. You've got to <laughs> yeah. leave the house without it. Yeah, right. Ah, oh, right. That's also the key. Mm-hmm. Hold that thought. I'm going to go lock a dog up. Okay. Um, when uh, you are doing the job that you do and you're, you, what would you describe? Because not everyone's going to be, you know, writing satire every single day, but what would mm. you describe it's like getting to do it every day? What would happen if you couldn't do it every day? Uh, well, I can tell you because it happened. Uh, so the, the roast ended. I was lucky that The Guardian decided to uh, resurrect my segment of the show as a little online series and then suddenly it was over and that was, uh, I mean, yeah, extremely depressing but that's not necessarily just because of satire. It's just that thing of losing a job and being like, oh, is that was that my TV career? Oh. Is, that, is that it? I've, uh, maybe, that's, maybe that's it. Maybe that's now... What if that is it? What is where do I go from here? Do I mm. go back to PR or what do I what do I do? So that was just an extremely depressing period of close to a year. I I was very like ABC News Breakfast had me on as a panelist once a month, so at least I was still you know it's a really small thing, but it was yeah. like maintaining some tiny level of, of visibility yeah and i think i just lived very frugally you're still writing every day or you're still reading the news every day no i think i kind of stopped i i checked out of the news because i think if i didn't have to do it i don't know that i would read the news every mm. day i think i would i'd probably still watch like yeah news breakfast yeah. in the morning that's i think a good way to get the news um but i no, i think i did stop I didn't make it a habit because, yeah, that was the, part of the reason. Yeah, I read the news is just for work. Um, yeah, because otherwise it is. Yeah, but and depressing. the SPS job is because you knew someone that worked there already. So, uh, well, yeah, I mean, so well, no, I didn't. I didn't. I, I mean, I had met the producer of the feed, but it was more that actually, this, this is what that's right. That's what happened was that I'm a big Eurovision fan. Yes, and somehow, oh yeah, I'd written a piece for the Guardian about uh, when, it, when it was announced that Australia was going to participate in Eurovision. I um, wrote a piece for the Guardian about it, and. Then as a result of that, I got to go to the announcement of the Australian artist who turned out to be Sebastian, as you would know. And at that press conference, I should also just say, so I went, I, so I was invited to the press conference. No, but I, I did not actually understand how I was invited. I didn't know who I was representing, if anyone. So when I arrived at the Opera House, I said, hi, um, I'm Mark Humphreys. I'm here for the Eurovision thing. Are you able to tell me who's sent me? <laughs> And uh, they said, "What do you mean?" I was like, "Well, like, am, am I with the am I with the Guardian?" And they were like, "Yeah, yeah, you're with the Guardian." I was like, "Oh, okay." So the Guardian has sent me. So I go to the press conference, and then I feel like, "Oh, I guess I should probably ask a question." Like, if I'm guessing, maybe that's what the Guardian would want. And so press conference happens. Guy performs something, and Julia and Sam are there. And I get up, and they say, "Yes, you." And I say, oh, "Hi, Mar- uh, Mark Humphreys from." Uh, guardian uh and then i asked my question and then the press conference ends and a lady comes up to me and says um hi uh did you see you from the guardian i was like uh yes yes and she said i'm from the guardian (laughs) (laughs) i'm like oh hi and she's like so are you writing an article or something i was like uh 
I don't know. I don't, I don't I really don't know. And she was, I understand why she was angry because I, I totally get it. I thought that I was doing the right thing. I thought yeah. I was being polite. But anyway, that press conference was screened on SBS. Uh, and I think the producer of the feed saw it and went, ah, he's into Eurovision. We're going to do, we're doing a, uh, Eurovision recap, uh, special on the feed. We want to do a one hour recap the day after Eurovision. Uh, let's get this guy to write and produce it. And so he called up and said, would you like to do this? And so, yeah, so I did that. And it went from there. And then it went from there. So wow, something. isn't that some, isn't that something? Yeah. So but, it, it pays to like Eurovision. <laughs> but, but it also, it also pays to just, you never know who's watching. That's 100% right. You never know who's, who's keeping, paying attention. I'm also a great believer in making it very obvious what your passions are because, and I, and I don't know if, how it worked for you, but in terms of like photography, you know, if you're open about it and you say, Hey, yeah, I'm this guy and I present these shows, but I also really love this, that hopefully that's something that when, you know, photographic, I don't know, programs or mm. events come up, they might go, oh, Osha, he, he, he likes photography. Mm. So Eurovision, that's my thing. I've made that clear. I'm big into that. And so this year I got to, because um, Julia and Sam had stepped down and they hadn't yet announced uh, that Miff and um, Joel were taking over. I don't think they'd decided on them yet. Um, there was this weird gap where they needed someone to, to announce who was Australia's artist for 2017 and so i got i got to do that mm. and that was you know a little dream come true and anyway so i've taken this down a eurovision path but um that's uh, hey <laughs> you'll have you'll find nothing problem i right I, good i that's, absolutely adore a, eurovision Eurovision safe space good uh look uh, have my whole life i think it's a very special special thing and you know it's, it's again like the world cup mm. it's like you go to america and they have no idea that somewhere there is the most extraordinarily produced most incredible television live television program going on yeah. and it's got nothing to do with america they just can't conceive of it <laughs> and it's fucking amazing yeah I, i've got a, i've got a, a couple of favorites but i think still my favorite was the the russian one where just oh and s went out the window and <laughs> you know it was just the kind of stuff they were pulling off mm. on that that particularly the russian broadcast it was before the olympics before the Sochi Olympics, it was just fucking bonkers, utterly bonkers, the kind of stuff they were doing. Mm -hmm. I think uh, of all of the LED screens in the world, I think 80% of them were in the, on right, the set. Right. It was one of those, you know, uh -huh. humongous things. Oh, it's, just, yeah. it's the greatest thing. Yeah. I think it's a fantastic show. Yeah. That's the highlight of my year. Um, yeah. I just think it's pure joy. I, I'm, I'm all about that. That's, um, uh, you know, anything that brings countries yeah. of the world together, you know, I'm not a particularly sport-oriented guy, but I love the Olympics. I just love the idea of the world coming together for, mm. this, for this thing. And the risk of sounding cliched, I think we need that more than ever. Well, <laughs> yes, I couldn't. I couldn't agree. I couldn't agree more. Um, when you so when you you talked about what it was like to not do it every day, mm. and you said it was, was, was shit. What's it, <laughs> what's it like? And that's okay because I've been unemployed, and it is shit. Mm. What's it like? when you do get to do it every day? What, what do you feel like when you're actually in the moment when you're writing and, and you, you kind of got that flow on? Um, it's the, the big thing I would say, and I really want to emphasize this, is I'm very, very fortunate. And so because there are very few jobs like that, there are, I think you could probably count on two hands the number of people who write satire professionally in Australia. Um, so the first thing I would just say is I'm just so grateful and I just feel blessed and lucky to be able to do that. Um, the nuts and bolts of it, uh, 
we, we start quite early, Evan and I, and um, it's, you know, trying to, the first thing is trying to find what, what the story of the day is that we want to focus on and then trying to find that angle and uh, what's, what's the take on it. So uh, an example I'd give is like when there was the tweet that, CN, that uh, Donald Trump put out of, uh, it was a, a wrestling video of him giving a smackdown to uh, another guy with a pixelated CNN head. That was like, okay, that's weird. A president has never done this before. What's what's interesting about this? What's our take? And then having the discussion, and then going, well, what if what if I had a pixelated CNN head? What if I was actually? What if we took this literally? What if I was that guy? And then so once you then have a concept, that's actually quite thrilling. Once the, once you've got an idea that you really believe in, writing flows uh, relatively. It flows easier than not. The key thing is having a concept. When you don't have a concept, you're just kind of throwing jokes out there and hoping something sticks and then sometimes having to kind of cobble together a piece from the the jokes you've come up with. So that's the main thing, really. If you've got a concept that you really believe in, it's it's fantastic. If you don't really know what your take on the thing is, it can become a bit of a, a, a chore. A dream job. That's uh, you know really lucky, oh, blessed, yeah, yeah. all that sort of stuff. But it can be, it can. It's just yeah, the actual task of doing the the work can be can be difficult. Um, and then yeah, and then once you've got that script, you know, then trying to to bring it to life and you're on. And that's the other thing, the deadline, like because yeah, it's daily. I love it. It's just it's a great motivator, but it's you know also crippling and. When have you got to get it locked in by like three o'clock, four o'clock? So the script's got to be done ideally by about one um, to give enough time to then prep a shoot, uh, which ideally will start at two, two thirty. But and then you kind of want to be done shooting ideally by about four, four thirty to give the editor. And so the editor, I mean, the editors are just phenomenal, just how quickly they get through this stuff. But it often, it's all, it's off so often down to the wire of just pushing it to the absolute last minute of how, of our writing time, pushing it to the last minute of our shooting time, pushing it to the last minute. Yeah, there have been several times where it has come dreadfully close to not making it to air. Um, but, Everyone is so good at what they do and professional that they... And then you go home, cuddle your boy. <sighs> yeah, and then, yes, and then the tweets come in and then... <laughs> and then and then you get up the next day and do it again. Exactly. That that actually is the best thing about it is that if something goes uh, badly, uh, that's all right, I've got another one for you. Don't worry about it. Forget that one. Yeah. How do you like this? Uh, inversely, when something goes well, you want to rest on your laurels and say, <laughs> can you not just... If you didn't see last night's, could you just go and watch that, please? Because <laughs> I think that was pretty good. And let's yeah. just take the day off. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So that's that's how I feel sometimes. It's just like, and I think at the end at the end of the day, it's almost it's also like you're creating a body of work. And yeah. I think it's sort of you come to terms with the idea that not every one of them is going to to hit, and you just hope that you can try and maintain some sort of standard across mm. the board. And occasionally ones will hopefully, you know, really connect. And then there's other ones that will fall by the wayside. But hopefully there's a, there's a consistency that people will, yeah, collectively appreciate. Do, do, do you and your writing partner ever think about, oh, maybe we, we could write that sitcom, maybe we could write that film, maybe but you just got no time? Yeah, so time is the big thing now. So, But I, that that is definitely 
kind of the next thing. I think because we've done five years of topical comedy, um, there's not much left that we really feel that we need to say. Mm. Um, and, yeah, there's other ways of communicating ideas that we'd like to explore. So one thing that we are doing, which I'm, I'm very excited about, is the final episode of the feed this year, this is Friday, November 24th, so give a little plug for this, is going to be a half-hour comedy special that Evan and I have written. Uh, so instead of just the usual year, two, two-and-a-half-minute video, mm. you're going to get a half-hour of comedy from us. It's going to be a bunch of sketches, sort of year-in-review kind of thing, and... Um, we're trying to line up a couple of cameos from people for particular sketches, and uh, yeah, it's that that so that is our sort of foray into something slightly longer. Yeah, and we'll see how that goes, and uh, yeah, but sitcoms was something that I have always wanted to to do. Um, that was I, I grew up on sitcoms. I always thought there should be more of them, especially yeah. Australian ones. So that's something I'd like to pursue at some point. I would love to see a single camera, I mean a multi-camera Australian sitcom. We really haven't had one since, oh, God, all together now maybe. Right, exactly. That's the thing. I mean because the funny thing is is that sitcoms have traditionally been incredibly popular in Australia. They just haven't been Australian. We don't have the writers for it. We just haven't got that that culture of Yeah, uh, yeah. And Writing. that's it. And just, I mean, I, you, you might have seen this thing about Vince Gilligan coming out to Australia and talking about Australian writers' rooms and just how he was horrified to learn how little time Australian writers' rooms have to, to break a story. And obviously, you know, Breaking Bad and drama is different to comedy, but some of the rules are generally the same. Uh, of just, yeah, having the, the time and mm. the resources to, to, to get it right rather yeah. than having to rush, rush it out. So I'm optimistic about that. That's that's something that I, I, I'm hopeful that I get to do at some point. Well, man, look, that you never know who's going to see the half-hour special. This, that's it. They yeah. saw one question at a, at a press conference. It's totally, 100%. Oh, I mean, it's all just little moments that... You but know. it builds and builds and builds and builds. Mm. And then suddenly you'll explode and people go, where did he come from? <laughs> like, uh, yeah. You may notice the last 10 years of my life. That's it, yeah. <laughs> Again, please, can you go through the back catalogue? Because <laughs> like a lot of work went into it. <laughs> cool, man. Well, I'm really grateful you came over today. Thank you so much for... No, uh, thank you for legitimizing me. Uh, <laughs> We've been trying was, to do this for a long time. Is, I really, I can't thank you enough for your patience. No, I've, no, no. I've, I've quit the radio job now, oh, so right. I have oh. made way more time for podcasting. Oh, okay, it doesn't pay as well. Sure, yeah, sure. but I get to sit at my you, at my kitchen table and have conversations with people while I make a fancy coffee. Do you want me to leave a fiver on the counter as I as uh, I go? No, is that what you're saying? No, that'll be okay. It's okay. No, this I'll I'll. It was, a, it was, you know, having been unemployed, it was uh, a very difficult decision to yeah. to say no to a job. Oh, 100%. Particularly a job that was going great. Mm. Um, but I just I was just considering that, you know, the, the upcoming schedule, work schedule, it just, I just never see my family. Yeah. <laughs> so oh, and you wouldn't, be giving the, you wouldn't be giving the best of yourself. And that's the other thing, yeah. you know, it's as someone I can, I, I fortunately or unfortunately, um, take my work really seriously, mm. way too seriously. But if I don't reach a particular standard that I set for myself, I destroy myself. Yeah. Oh, 100%. Oh, I, it, I haven't had the opportunity too often, but a couple of times I've been in a position to turn something down and I felt terrible about it because it goes against everything, you know, when I think about the times when I had nothing. But, yeah, there are times where you go, if I weigh it up, I can see that I'll actually just I'll actually let them down. Because I yep. just won't have the energy to do it properly. Yeah. Absolutely, man. Well, thanks for coming by. I... No pleasure. This is. I really feel like I've made it now. <laughs> <laughs>
I haven't made it until I've taken your photo. When I take your oh, photo, that's when I've made it. Okay. That's when it happens. That's it. Uh, all I know is au revoir. That's good. That's fantastic. Je, that and je ne parle pas français. That's all I know. That's really all you need to get through. Just <laughs> I don't speak French. Goodbye. That's 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 your whole thing. Traveling through France. Great. <laughs> all right, I'll go get my camera. All right. All right. Thank you so much for listening. That was Mark Humphreys. You can find him on Twitter at Mark Humphreys, H-U-M-P-H-R-I-E-S. And if you do go to the show notes, they're inside the podcast app that you're listening to on or you can find it on the website. Um, Mark's end-of-year special, Privatised Now, is on SBS On Demand, which is um, on air in Australia. You may have to use a VPN if you're out of the country, but I wouldn't know anything about that. Thanks again for sending me the photos of where you're listening to the show. Just whipping out the phone that you're on right now. Take a picture with the camera that's on it and just send it to me. Send us your email at gmail.com. I do love to get them and I do love to share them around because it's bloody great. So, yeah, thanks for being here. Thank you very much to everyone that helped me make the show today. This show was produced by Hayley Van Spania, audio production and editorial guidance by the grandmaster of all things Pro Tools, Andy Marr. Music, as always, by the ever-talented Toe Hider. Waves, courtesy of the South Pacific. Oh, come on. Oh, there's a nice one. That's lovely. Thanks for listening. Have a great week. Till we talk next time, sleep well, dream of beautiful things. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince? They exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to Quince.com upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. This Mother's Day, treat mom to healthy, glowing skin with Osea's limited edition skincare sets. Osea has been making clean, seaweed-infused products for nearly 30 years. Their advanced eye care duo brightens and firms skin around your eyes, while the Golden Glow Body Trio nourishes and smooths skin all over. Go to oseamalibu.com and use code MOM for 10% off your first order site-wide.